This episode is brought to you by Liquid IV. Guys, if you don't know what Liquid IV is, well, buckle up because I'm going to throw you a game changer. Liquid IV is a hydration multiplier that not only tastes great, but is a non-GMO electric light drink mix. Powered by cellular transport technology to deliver hydration to the body faster and more efficiently than water can just do alone. One stick contains three times the electrolytes of traditional sports drinks with five essential vitamins. Now, I pride myself on telling you about things that I either already like or just use in my everyday life. And I have to say, I've actually been a fan of Liquid IV for a long, long time now. I use it for everything from, you know, just long runs to stay in shape, all those late nights with those after hours or just when I'm feeling a little dehydrated. I turned to it so it could just, my God, set me straight, make me feel like a million bucks again, and just get me ready for the day. So please head on over to their website. That's liquid-iv.com to check out their amazing line of products. And get this, when you use promo code Art of the Beholder, all one word, you'll get 20% off your order. Now, if you need a little direction on where to start, I recommend Lemon Lime. Guys, you're going to love it, won't be disappointed. So please give it a shot and get more fuel for life's adventures. Now, back to the show. Greetings and salutations, all you beautiful people, and welcome to another episode of Art of the Beholder, a show dedicated to all things eclectic in the world of arts, where we do deep dives into deep cuts and help you understand why damn things matter. I'm your host, Novo Day, and today we're going to be talking about the art of whiskey tasting, guys. So we're going a little off-roading today, but I'm extremely excited because we're going to talk about the art of whiskey tasting by doing just that. We're going to taste a variety of fine distilled whiskeys and kind of run the gambit, go through the spectrum and hopefully help you learn, maybe learn something new about the craft or maybe help you pinpoint maybe a new appreciation for perhaps one of your go-to favorites. To aid us on this journey, we're joined by a new guest on the show making his debut, lover of all things whiskey and quite the connoisseur himself. Welcome, Mr. Hiram Watkins. Mr. Watkins, welcome to the show. Hey, Novo. Thanks for having me today. It's really fantastic to, I guess, podcast? Is that a thing? I think it's a new thing for me. Um, we can call yeah. You can call it podcast, you can call it talk shop, you can call it whatever you want. And are you excited? Because um, we're, in, we're in the goddamn house today. We've never done a studio show in the, in the house, in the studio. We got the whiskeys in front of us, and um, I'm excited. How can you not be excited? Yeah. I know how good these whiskeys are. Ooh. So Ooh. you're going to be excited. You should be ecstatic because these are fantastic whiskeys. Oh, God. We yeah. are, oh, I'm salivating. We are trying today. Okay. Well, let's uh, first, let's tell the good people why. Why are we doing this? Okay. So much like there's a sommelier for wine, there is such a thing as a sommelier for whiskey, but they're often just called certified whiskey specialists. They often get certified through what's known as the Council of Whiskey Masters who, much like the wine sommelier, not only masters the art of whiskey tasting for the world over, but also helps you find the right whiskey for you. Helps you figure out what pairs well with meals or certain foods and helps and helps us all distinguish between all the little different types and kinds and, of course, the quality within. So that when you get to that spirit aisle, you know exactly what you're looking for and what to get to ultimately make it uh, that much more enjoyable for you and your experience. Now, before we can discuss, of course, we all need a little background. So the distilled spirit was first introduced to the world roughly in the 13th to 15th century. The liquor is usually made from fermented grain mash or sometimes malt, then distilled and then aged. The varieties include barley, corn, rye, and wheat. It's typically aged in wooden casks like barrels. And the word whiskey itself is an angelicization of the classical Gaelic word for water. Now, before we hash things out, guys, we're going to take a quick little break. We're going to hear from our sponsor. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Novella Adulteration. Follow adult entertainer Jessica Amberstar as she embarks on a journey that will change her life forever. She not only finds herself in the industry 
but figures out a way to transform herself and eventually become reborn. Find out how an adulteration, which can be found on Amazon in both paperback and ebook, available now. Now back to the show. All right, Mr. Watkins, it's time to do the damn thing. So this is, uh, let me tell you guys at the top of the show here, uh, things are going to be a little different. Things are going to be a little different because um, now this is a topical show. We're focusing on the art that is whiskey tasting, but I got to, this is kind of an interview show at the same time because I have a lot of questions for... Bill is the closest thing we have to a whiskey tasting expert in the NDP family, so we got to pick his brain. So before we do that, we are going to start with our first whiskey tasting. We're going to have, we're going to, we're going to treat it like a goddamn sommelier too. We're going to, we're going to smell that bouquet. We're going to look at the color. We're going to talk about the bottle. We're going to taste it. We're going to tell you about it. And then we're going to talk a little shop, me and Bill. So first thing on the list is 1979's Jim Bean, 10 years, 80 proof. We're going from lowest proof to highest proof, if you're wondering. So, uh, Bill, let's let's take a little, well, let's smell. Let's go through the process, right? Let's smell it. Let's taste it. And uh, we'll go from there. So, getting my nose really into this thing. Yeah. Like, first off, we need to talk about, this is a 1979, which yeah. means it was, it's a 10-year. Okay. It was distilled in 1969. Okay. This is a 54-year-old whiskey we're drinking right Ooh. now. Ooh, I'm salivating. Really, like the first thing that when you get your nose in there, you you smell what's called like the funk to it. When Mm -hmm. a whiskey has been sitting for a long time, like it starts developing this kind of earthy, funky tone to it. Yeah. And it's it's really prevalent in this. And then like deeper into it, underneath that, I get things like sweet caramel, almost like a Werther's original that's just like right underneath that funk. Let's talk about the bottle too. I think the visual aesthetics of the overall presentation of a whiskey starts from just looking at the bottle from to smelling it and then obviously to tasting it and enjoying it. And I have to say this, this guy's a work of art and it, in it of itself, I didn't even know Jim Beam Beam made this kind of thing. So these are, you know, Jim Beam went to canter crazy, really, okay. in <laughs> the 50s, 60s, 70s, and into the, the canter 80s. crazy. That's my next decanter band. Canter crazy. Okay. And they started producing all of these decanters, things from a whole train set. Okay. That was whiskey decanters, every single car. Yeah. Uh, to different series of cars, from Corvettes to Trans Ams to Camaros. To the series that we're drinking today, which is essentially an artwork series. This is actually a Remington print. This is print. an artwork series? Yeah. It, that's a Remington print. Oh my God, print, perfect for our show. Um, Jesus Christ. That is on the outside of the bottle. The, the, the issue with beam decanters that you have is half of them are glass. Half of them are ceramic. Hmm. And what do you get in those ceramics? What? Lead. Ah, oh, that's not good. So, we don't want yeah. lead in our whiskey. You know, but I like to try to only drink the glass decanters if I Call can. Call me old-fashioned. Call me old-fashioned. I'm not a big lead drinker guy. Oh, heavy uh, metals just make and it And I will say, you know, better. we have the bottles lined up uh, from left to right. Uh, and it, it it's kind of the showstopper at the beginning. Like, this is the most beautiful bottle I think I've seen it in a while and definitely with our lineup. And it screams 1970s, doesn't it? It does. It does scream that. You could see like shag carpet, Astro style fireplaces in the corner. Ooh, Um, paint the picture. Yeah. Yeah. Like velvet Elvis on the wall. Oh, man. And then Jim Beam decanters. (laughs) I like it. Let's, uh, Let's try this guy. I'm ready to try it. So this is really nice. So it is 80 proof, so you don't get a whole lot of that burn to start with. But there is this really mellow, like I like to call like vanilla icing. You know, we've all like stuck our finger in a, a tub of vanilla icing, cake icing. And this is really what's defining the flavor profile on it. Just that nice vanilla icing. A little bit of caramel, like that almost almost burnt sugar aspect. And I, uh, I couldn't agree more. I feel like it's a very easy going in whiskey um very smooth very little burn and i i tasted that caramel as soon as you said that when i had a little sip i was like oh boom it is exactly there now guys i know this is kind of sacrilegious i like a little water with my whiskey and i want to take i want to do a little tea buck tangent corner to talk about (laughs) the people that are the purists that say uh, you know whiskey has to be drank you know neat Versus the guys with the rocks. 
I I I like me some rocks. So for all you whiskey purists out there, I'm I'm sorry. This is how I do it. So I'm gonna I'm gonna add a little water, bring out a little more flavor in it, and then um and we'll give it a try here. I um sorry, come after me, Twitter mob, but I I actually do rocks with all my whiskeys. I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you guys right now. And there's nothing wrong with that. We're not whiskey assholes. That's really what but it comes they down they to. exist. They do. But Have, I know. And so you're you're the resident a whiskey expert. Our entire town. All right, in the state. I'm. <laughs> I'm exaggerating just a smidge for the show, but uh, for purposes of the show, you are the leading expert I've ever had in my orbit, and they are—they run rampant. I mean, I bet you've met them that say like, if you don't drink it neat, you shouldn't drink it at all. So fundamentally, science tells us those fucking assholes are wrong. That's really what it comes down to. Is it? Is that yeah, true? Hundred percent. So the because I've read and volatile I've, compounds and I've come enjoyed out. yeah the idea of either have the rock to let it melt or mm-hmm. just put a little water in there. It actually opens up the flavor. The water, a little bit of water, will open up the volatile esters that you get out of the aroma, and so you're going to have a stronger aroma mm-hmm. when you put a little bit of water in it. Now, if you're putting a lot of water in it. You know, you're going to really kind of dilute a lot of that aroma. Mm-hmm. You know, when you cool down a whiskey in general, it kind of cools down the aroma and the flavor profile. But if you like your whiskey cold, if you like it on a rock, you bought the bottle, you bought the drink, enjoy we it. We get how to you choose, to. right? And I will, I have to admit, this 10 year with a little water is excellent. It's, it's excellent without water, too. Cheers, guys. Mm-hmm. Easy, smooth finish, too. It doesn't, it doesn't linger. It kind of comes on, it comes on easy and leaves easy. Yeah. And that's, I think, the low proof, right? So 80 proof is pretty, um, you don't get a lot of that heat. You don't get a lot of that spice that you get with higher proof and just makes it easily accessible for folks who are just kind of getting into distilled spirits. And a great place to start on a whiskey tasting. Now, that leads us to move on to whiskey number two. And that is Elijah Craig 18 year 90 proof. So um, as I'm as I'm gonna smell this guy and probably take a taste and tell you about it, I wanna I wanna learn more about Bill's history and how he got into this, and I wanna help you help you guys learn a little more as well. So, uh, Bill, how did you get into this world? Yeah, so I've been kind of a an alcohol nerd for a while. I guess that would be <laughs> the best way to put it. I feel um, like that's an oxymoron. That's like saying a nerdy like. Rock star. I feel like there's something cla- like inherently timeless and classy about the man's man that likes his whiskey and cigars and and you're I like whiskey and, you, and cigars and you're kind of that yeah, guy. Yeah, sure. You're like kind of that archetype. I think it comes from a, a passion. So to be your reading. nerd, your nerddom is is um, are you you're you calling yourself that is a bit of an oxymoron? I don't know if it's an oxymoron. I think people can nerd out about a lot of things. True. Right? You can nerd Just out the about the lexicon, right? You can nerd out about cooking. You can nerd out about Warhammer. You can nerd out about music or movies. Warhammer. What a specific. Do you nerd out on Warhammer? I, I don't do any games. Okay. Sorry. But I was like, um, what a specific example. Either he loves it or he has a friend that loves it. To me, it's one of those things that defines like nerdy because you have to like, don't, isn't that the one where you have to paint yes, stuff? That's like yeah. D&D, Ooh, you know, like tabletop. Yeah. Warhammer is hardcore. Is, is very dedicated yeah. nerddom. Yeah, and I'm dedicated nerddom. I have probably 60 or 70 open bottles of whiskey in my house right now. But how did you get started? So I got started because I'm an alcohol nerd. Uh, I moved to Colorado, <laughs> and I really became passionate about beer. Okay. Um, it's right when microbrew really started hitting the mainstream, 2004, 2005. Lived in Colorado for a couple of years, really got into to craft brewing. Moved to Kansas City, and... We didn't really have that here. Um, mm. The scene just wasn't uh, wasn't around, so I had to get really into different types of craft beer. Got really burned out on it in mm. about 2010, 2011, trying to chase like that next great beer that you're going to have access to, whether it be that special one-off or brewery-only release. And I was standing in the middle of a local alcohol store, mm-hmm. and I was looking at beer, and I was just so tired, so tired of it. And so I walked over to the whiskey aisle. I looked around. I saw this bottle that looked like a grenade. It's a Blanton's <laughs> bottle. They look like grenades. And I said to myself, I'm going to drink whiskey until I like it. And that's what I did. For three or four straight weeks, all I drank was whiskey. Wow. And 
I really enjoyed it by the end of it. You know, I used to be one of those people you take like a, a shot of whiskey and it made you like clench yeah, up and kind of yeah. feel a little bit of saliva building in the sure. back of your mouth. And by the end of it, I really enjoyed every different type of whiskey that was tried. The rest is history. And the rest is history. You just try a whole bunch of stuff until you find what you like and then you expand out from there. So tell us about our second tasting. Again, guys, this is the Elijah Craig 18-year. It's a 90 proof. And um, I already had a couple sips. It is a bit, I mean, for obvious reasons, it's a 90 proof compared to an 80 proof. So it's a little stronger um, in um, kind of the character and the flavor profile of the whiskey. But it, so it's a little, I would, uh, first adjective, first thing that pops out of my head is it's a boulder. So I think the first thing that pops out to me when I'm trying, because it's an 18-year-old. So yeah. it means it sat in a barrel for 18 years. Right. You're going to have more of that barrel character. It's almost like a tannic kind of dryness that you get it's a little bit oaky and such a low proof i think that oakiness comes out a little bit more than you would get in a lot of other whiskeys after that you know it's i'm just going to be honest with you elijah craig is probably my favorite whiskey line across the board out of every distillery. i'm glad you brought that up because okay so the Elijah Craig, is that part of a like a maker's family like or is that its own own entity own company it's a brand that's owned by a distillery called Heaven Hill, which Heaven is Hill? the largest privately owned distillery uh, company in the United States, I think, right now. Huh. Okay. So, still a family-owned company. Heaven Hill, I think, makes classic profile, flavor profile Kentucky bourbons and whiskeys. So, this is your favorite family it is. Uh, like hands down. I was going to bring some other Elijah Craig's, but I, I can see why would, you picked it. I thought that would be a little bit too nerdy if I just brought all Elijah Craig, the entire line. That'll um, be our next show. You know, my daily drinkers, uh, Elijah Craig barrel picks, they're 94 proof, super easy to drink, a lot of variation in the flavors. They're just, and they're cheap. They're, they're good. They're cheap, yeah. Like 35 bucks for Fair a good priced. bottle of whiskey. So tell the good people too, you know, I feel like for all the lay people, they hear scotch whiskey and bourbon whiskey and Canadian whiskey. Just give them a quick little primer on what the differences are if you don't already know. I mean, fundamentally, it's where they're distilled at. Yeah, it's regional, so, yeah, right? Scotch yeah. is in Scotland. Irish whiskey is in Ireland. Canadians distilled in Canada. Canada. Yeah, um, but really... A-plus over here. I know. I am... You are just I'm a killing plus it. I am student. killing it today. You, you, you get three it's like stars. I've, it's like I've hosted this show before or something. So a lot of it has to do with just a couple of different things. Uh, the mash bill. So those are the grains that are going into it. Thinking about bourbon, it has to be at least 51% corn. Scotch is almost entirely malted barley. Um, so that's, that's a big one. Uh, second one is the temperatures. Uh, the, the climate that things are being aged in really has a huge impact. Kentucky compared to Scotland's. So we should tell the good people listening, um, of all of the different whiskeys that we prepared for the show, these are actually all bourbons. And that actually gets a lot of, I, I commonly hear misconceptions about a bourbon, bourbon whiskey versus a scotch whiskey. And again, just like Mr. Watkins said, it is just regional. Bourbons commonly come from Kentucky. Bourbons can be all of the United States. Well, they started in Kentucky, right? The only thing that defines a bourbon is that it is, what, in a new charred oak. It is at least 51% Would we say corn. it's American then at this point? It then? is American, absolutely. So it's like U.S. It, of A. True whiskey. American eagles Fucking. flying out, <laughs> giant guns, yeah, kind of whiskey. Yeah. Mullet wearing, yeah. jean jacket. Flag flying. Wear my sunglasses at night. At least seven patches on a jean jacket. Whiskey. I love it, man. Okay, let's, um, I think, uh, is there anything else you want to say about the Elijah Craig 18-year before we move on to the wild card? The wild card in the bunch. This is the only one I, I had I had to get at least one that he's never tried before, and that is our next one in the list. Uh, just that these are really fantastic whiskeys. If you have opportunity to buy one, I highly recommend it. Pre-Gym Gym of the Week, guys. Elijah Craig family whiskeys, check them out. Let's move on to number three. Now, um, let's let's take the people behind the curtain a little bit. I did ask him what he wanted. Um, I said, hey, let's try something on air we both have never tried before. I actually, for the record, I've never tried any of these, so these are all new to me, but this is the only new one to our guest. 
Again, it is the Holiday Soft Red Wheat Bourbon, 100 proof. And um, I'm going to go ahead and keep talking because I want you to have the floor first with how how it smells, how it tastes. The bottle is, you know, I it's it's a classic, you know, whiskey bottle with a little bit of a graphic on the front. Fine writing, fine, you know, everything looks very classic and prestige and it's nice. It's not the fucking Jim Bean 10 year. I'll tell you that. That's an art class, obviously. <laughs> tailor-made kind of whiskey oh i don't i i'm not sure if i like this look on his face uh-oh 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 yeah it's this is not gonna say disappointing um oh shit why i'm gonna say i really love holiday is a really great up-and-coming let's start here Ooh, ooh. i got a i got a good uh starter question for you okay why holiday so holiday is a great up-and-coming distillery they're out of western missouri so they're brand new um, or not brand new, but ish, semi semi. So they are owned by the uh, uh, fantastic cheap vodka distillery known as McCormick. Oh my God, I know McCormick. Yeah, everyone knows McCormick. I know McCormick well from my college yeah, days. Yeah, sad crying tears and orange <laughs> juice. Yeah. Or yeah, sometimes fun tears. It depends <laughs> on the night. <laughs> But uh, they spun off a new company about six years ago where they wanted to resurrect. We're done with shitty vodkas. Let's try some. Exactly. Uh, Resurrect an old brand that had been around in the 1800s and it was the holiday brand. Yeah. Uh, They actually have a lot of rickhouses. They have access to good limestone water up in Weston. Um, They they got the bones. They They had the the bones. The foundation. And there, when they started rolling it out out of four years, so this is a six year, out of four year, even though it was young, still tasted really fantastic. As a six-year bourbon, they are really good. And they're spot, they're putting out their seven-year bourbon right now. Um, I'm just really excited about the distillery. I think there's going to be great stuff coming from them. This is one of their new wines. It's not a, it's not their traditional bourbon. It's a weeder. Um, so it has a heavy wheat presence in the mash bill. Usually that creates a more rounded, uh, more mellow whiskey. But... My problem with it was, and I don't know if it's just because it hasn't been open for a long time or what's going on with it. It has what I like to call a Play-Doh aroma to it. <laughs> um, think about that, you know, when you're eating Play-Doh as a kid and what that tasted like, what that smelled like. I think we all can remember it. I, um, I my first impression is I agree with you. I, as soon as I'm, I, I should, I should tell you and the good people this. I have a terrible nose. Mm. I have the worst nose on the goddamn planet. So me smelling these are always, I'm always going to get the big stuff, you know, the chocolatey, the, the nutty, you know, I'm not going to break it down. Like when you break it down, you do it flawlessly. So I'm so glad you are joining us today. But when I do it, I am ridiculously bad. But when I taste it, you know, I still, that's not even a great, Honestly, that's a pretty terrible sense I have, uh, too, but it's a lot better than the nose. The point being is that when I actually tasted it, it was, for a lack of a better word, a little flatter than the first two. Yeah, yeah. that's a good way to put it. Um, and a lot of times that comes across, because we're going we're gonna to enjoy another weeder down this line that's really fantastic, as a more mellowed whiskey. This one, the nose, while it has that, well, I like the, the traditional like cherry you get from a lot of like weeders. Like there's a there's a chemicalness to, that's sitting over the top of it. I'm really curious to come back to this bottle in about six months and see if it's changed because oftentimes it will. It just takes a little bit of time to kind of age hmm. out that chemicalness. Um, but it's not very it's not very exciting. I think it's that's not the a best very way to exciting. Put it. Yeah. 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 Do you think it has potential? You said six months. Yeah. Do you think it has the potential to get there? Oh, absolutely. I've had some bottles that I fucking hated when I opened. Really? Them. So this absolutely. has happened before. Oh. Oh, I oh, don't know this. Hell yeah. Even with, I'm learning something. Oh, and with scotches, it's even worse. Yeah. For me. Okay. Because you get a lot of that chemicalness after the peat. You open it up, you let it breathe for a while. Yeah. And you kind of lose that oftentimes. And I think with this one. I think it's going to lose out. And there are whiskeys you come back to in six months and they're still fucking terrible. Yeah. I think this one, with a little bit of time, is going to be much better. I'm glad you feel that way because that is the bottle you're going to go home with today. It's <laughs> going to be a little consolation prize. Since uh, this was the only one you didn't have, I, I wanted to grab it at the store the other day. And I did for the show, and I was hoping you were going to fucking love it, to be honest. I was hoping you're like, Novo, dude, this is the new 
the new Elijah Craig fucking nope. whiskey. But um, why don't you take it home? I'm glad you feel that way because if you didn't, I would have I would have kept it and I sure. would have probably tossed it to be honest. But um, since you feel that way, consolation prize, you're gonna go home with it today. And I want we're gonna do another show down the road six months, and I or maybe just like a, a fun. We have what, what is called an after hour show where we it's not topical. We just shoot the ship sh- shoot the shit about everything and nothing. Just talk. Sure. Right. We're just talking in a room. And I want to talk about holiday again. Well, I'll tell you this. It's probably better if you hold on to it then because it'll probably get drank at my house before a couple of months. We'll figure it out after the show then. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to give it one more try. I feel like... I don't know. It's a little engine that could, but every I feel like the second try was worse than the first try. Uh, see, I think that the the nose is the worst part about this. I think the flavor is actually decent. It's mm, to it, me like uh, a lot of like brown sugar, right? That's what I get out of it. It's not very complex. It's not a whole lot of punchy in the face with flavor. It's just right. a little bit of brown sugar with kind of like a chemicaliness in the background. Just. Just not a whole lot. Just yeah, it's it's not it's not Jim Beam ten year or Elijah Craig single barrel eighteen year by any stretch of the imagination. Before we move on, I want to I want to talk shop. I want to I want to go down the rabbit hole a little more and talk shop on what makes a whiskey special. What can you tell us? Like you already told us your favorite line, the Elijah Craig line, but what is it about them? that really makes it stand apart from the rest? So for me, um, there's a lot of things that make whiskey special. One, you know, it's, it is, it's an American spirit. So this is something that you don't find in anywhere else in the United, anywhere else in the world. Well, I mean the special ones, you know. Sure. That's what I'm saying. Okay. But all that kind of plays into it, right? Okay. Because the cultural aspect. Sure. Exa- okay. That's the best way to put it. The cultural okay. aspect, I think, plays a lot into it. But for me... There are whiskeys that you just open up and then they punch you in the face with something like they punch you in the face with the aroma or the flavor that you're like, oh, my God, I've never tried this before. This this is this is insane that I'm getting this flavor out of it. Yeah, Um, there's a scotch uh, that every time I open up the bottle, it amazes me because I think it tastes like black olives. Do you can you know what that is off the top of your head? Kalila is the name of it. Okay. every time I open up that bottle. It tastes and smells like saline black olives. And I'm like, how the fuck were they able to do this? Like in a good way? Or? Oh, in a fantastic... Look, do you like black olives? Because if the answer is yes, then it's in a good way. Yes, I do like black yeah, olives. exactly. Then yes, it's a fantastic way. Um, there are bottles of, you know, some of the Weller line that we can drink that, you know, you open them up and it's just a big cherry bottle where it reminds you of eating cherry Jolly Ranchers as a kid until like... You know, mm. your mouth starts to hurt because of the hard edges of the Jolly Rancher. Like, those kind of flavor profiles that you just open up and just punches you in the face. To me, that's what makes a whiskey really special. I think I just learned something new about you. Is uh, I realized through our conversation, you have an amazing palate. I feel like how you distinguish things, I don't, I don't do that. And I remember, like, taking, I don't know if it was a psych course in college or what but i remember that there is a science to this mm-hmm. and there is like i think they were called super tasters and non-tasters sure and i'm a non-taster clearly and you must be a super taster the funny thing is i'm not a super taster i'm actually the opposite end what um i actually have a really great nose i'm able to pick up well and i think they that's, are tied together absolutely yeah but when you do those like super tasting kits they give you all those chemicals you're supposed to try i can't taste any of them interesting that is exactly it but you put me in front of a lineup of like 15 different smells i can probably pick out 14 of them so is it so then is it the smells that are doing you know in a way the tasting for for you exactly the smell defines it for me interesting Um, and a lot of it was uh so i had a good friend who when we were into beer together he was a sommelier and he taught classes on how to pick up flavors out of wine. Yeah. And he showed me, you know, when I was in my mid twenties that, you know, if you take chocolate yeah, and then you rub it in your, and you taste it and you smell it, and then you have a wine that's chocolatey. And if you do that over and over, you're going to pick those things up. And so when I was really into beer, I would do that. And so if there was like flavors I couldn't define, yeah, I would read a whole bunch of reviews. And then when someone hit that flavor note that I was looking for, 
mm. or that aroma that I was looking for. Yeah. I'd be like, ding, ding, ding. And I would running, I would get it. And then I would put those two things together where like it was a banana, I would smell bananas and then I would smell the beer. And then those two things just started registering in my head. And when you do that with enough things, you have this vocabulary, you have this lexicon that's been developed in your brain that just, it's easily to pick up. So really a part of it is I have a really good, a really good sense of smell. Part of it is I've just trained myself to pick up the different aromas. So going back to my first question then, what makes a great whiskey a great whiskey and that it stands apart from all the rest? Is it a killer smell? To me? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. You open it up and you get punched in the face with aroma. <laughs> like that's really what it comes down to. I like that to. imagery. You, know, you have two things. You're either going to have the event that you're trying it that's going to tie it to some sort of like sense memory right? Yeah, yeah. That, that makes it really stand out. Or there's something that's going to tie it to you in that first time you tried it. You know, it's going to have to be a a smell. It's going to have to be the flavor. Something about it is going to have to like set it apart in your brain. And for me, it's, it's almost entirely about that first time I try it, first time I smell it and like really defining what it's going to, what it's going to be like. Well put. I think with that, let's move on to our, our fourth whiskey in the lineup and that is the weller full proof 114 proof whiskey and just looking at it it's a little lighter than the rest the bottle is probably the simplest of them all so in general um weller is considered one of the the highest ranges highest families of whiskey Hmm. um a lot of that has to do with its reputation because i don't know if you've ever heard of whiskey called pappy van or the Van Winkle family of whiskeys. Um, I have not. It's considered by a lot of people to be like the highest creme level de la creme that you can get. It smells, this is the first one where I, I feel like the smell is excellent. Like it landed immediately because while you were talking, I, you know, I took a couple of, I took a couple of bouquets mm-hmm. and uh, <laughs> that's the fancy way to put it. I got a good bouquet and um man it was you know definitely sorry holiday but you don't hold a candle the first two but the first two you know were grossly for definitely a non-taster and a terrible smeller like myself so i'm on the other end of the spectrum (laughs) we got an expert in the house and a lay person in the house um it was um they were you know the first two were kind of even in the smell profile department where this one really was full bodied and beautiful and it just and just warm and welcoming. Yeah. Um the aroma on some of these wellers are really fantastic to me. Um it really reminds me this is gonna be this is gonna sound funny to a lot of people, but um cherry robitussin. Like that 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 cherry flavor you get with cough syrup, like that's what I get off the nose. And I yeah. get it in the flavor profile as, as well. But with the flavor, it's a little bit of that. Yeah. All of this like cherry and cinnamon and brown sugar all kind of wrapped together with a low lying bit of oak to it. Yeah. And it just all comes together to really kind of just really be just it kind of just soaks into your palate and it, it just kind of hits all the different flavors. It hits all cylinders yeah. for sure. It's um, it's it's bolder. It's stronger. It definitely has that a little more of a lingering burn to it, uh, but in a good way, yeah. not and in like a bad way. It sticks around, right? So with you have that eighty proof, and you know you had a sip, and it kind of disappeared pretty quickly, right? With this one, it's really oily. You know when you when you're a, a wine person and you spin your you glass, swirl. And you yeah. look at those legs, right? Right, and you watch it kind of go down the cup, but you look at these. That that is oily, absolutely oily whiskey. You know what? You're right. Now that and you're opening my eyes. What that does is so just much. it just sticks around and coats your palate. And so instead of having like one sip and that sip, the flavor profile, the flavor disappearing, you have that sip and it just lingers, and you constantly get that flavor of molasses, yeah. burnt sugar, yeah. cherry, and it's just all there. And it's just it's a good it's a good experience i couldn't agree more on this one i uh, guys added a little water to try the next round this is still number four the weller full proof but i added a little a little bit of water to the spirit let's give that a go yeah it's like um 
the other thing that pops in my head is it's almost like a dessert whiskey. Like mm. I could have this mm-hmm. after a dessert, after a nice meal. You kind of think of it as like a brandy, right? Yeah. Or, you know, that's some, a good way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. Some people finish a, a meal with like a Grand Marnier. Yeah. It has a lot of those kind of sweet notes to it that you're really looking for is, is almost like a dessert. That's really good. I'm going to save that for after the show. I'm going to put that <laughs> over here. Oh, we do have a bottle. So. Oh, yeah. We have we <laughs> See you guys later. But before we do that... Uh, we have to move on to the last one in the lineup, but I, I do have another follow-up question to our, our string of interview questions, because this one is um, just like, you know, the to drink whiskey neat or not, or on the rocks. Uh, I feel like this question divides a lot of people, so I'm curious to hear your take on it. I call this segment to Pete or not to Pete. That is the question. So Petey whiskeys. First, tell the people, the good people, what, because people have probably heard that in the lexicon that is whiskey tasting or, or you know, in other spirits, uh, but mostly whiskey. Um, and there's there's an element of a peatiness or peat to the whiskey. Try to describe that to the good people listening. So let's define what peat actually is to begin with. So- okay. Peat is essentially like a swamp grass. It it grew up in bogs that cl- like slowly drained, and so all those grasses got compressed. And so what they do is they take those peat bricks that they mine, um, and then they smoke the barley, and that's what produces the peatiness of you know, a scotch, a Highland scotch, right? So think of your Lafroigs and those types of whiskeys. Um, to me, the flavor, and it comes across as a lot of different things. Like first and foremost, like you smell something that's peaty, you get a lot of iodine. And I like, I don't know if you can, if you can think about this in your mind, but when you open up a Band-Aid, like yeah. that package of a Band-Aid, yeah. and you get that aseptic iodine like aroma kind of. to it, that's what I always get with peaty scotches on the nose but it's going to bring in depending on the level a whole bunch of smoke or a whole bunch of kind of like meatiness sometimes you know you can go to the realm of like a smoked meat and that's really what kind of develops within a peated whiskey so then do you like peaty whiskeys or no you know the answer is if i'm in the mood Ah. just like everything you know sometimes i feel like Something that's super easy to drink that I can crush like six of them and not really care. Yeah. And sometimes I want something that's going to pair really well with a a heavy cigar or a big meal. And, you know, I think every whiskey has a time and place. And PD whiskeys have their time and place as well. Sitting by a campfire, you know, (laughs) smoking a cigar, perfect time for it. I'm a little more black and white. I... I I don't love the peat. I don't know. Well, I do kind of know what it is about it, but it's one of those things that you have to. It's hard to. It's like love. You can't. You can't really describe it until you experience it, kind of thing. And I urge all you guys listening to try some whiskeys that are quote unquote peaty or have peat. Just and then try one that doesn't have it at all. And you once you a b it like that, you'll know the difference immediately. And you really have to come to your own conclusion. Um, that's actually, I'm, I'm actually shocked that you gave that answer because almost everyone I've met and had similar conversations with about this thing, they are a hard line. I love me some Pete or I, I don't like me some Pete. So it's, it's funny that you said that because if you would have asked me this question five years ago, I would have been fucking scotch is disgusting. That's what I would have said. Yeah. Um, but why do you feel that way for the record? Uh, well, my dad has always been a scotch drinker his entire life and he's always tried to get me into it, but I've never really liked Pete. I've never really liked, I, it's the barley. It almost tastes like a cheap beer. Sure. Because essentially what to make a scotch, what you do is you brew a beer and then you distill it. Hmm. Right. Barley is what's used for the vast majority of beer as your base grains. And it's the same thing for scotch, but then you just distill that beer and you make a a spirit, right? And then you smoke it over peat and then you have scotch, right? That's what it is. And I could always pick that up. It always really bothered me. And then um, because of a group that I'm in, I did a blind tasting, 15 different scotches. And we drank one a day and we all came together and we gave notes. We had no idea what the scotch was, no idea the, the style, the variety, what came with it. I just started appreciating it. There were yeah. there were some that I really enjoyed. And I'm like, man, I really like this. And from there, I was able to find similar scotches. 
And then from there, I was able to really start branching out to the point where now I, I really like different scotches on different days. And it really just took me kind of opening myself out without those preconceived perceptions that I had of a scotch by doing it completely blind um, that I was able to come to the conclusion that scotch has a place in my heart. <laughs> Pete has a place in my heart. Oh, wow. It's that's just how finding, po- that's poetic. Finding the right time and place for it. If guys, if you didn't think that whiskey could be romantic, I, I bring you to our podcast today in this moment. It has just got real romantic in here that uh, it uh, whiskey or scotch whiskey to be exact and peaty scotch whiskey has touched our guest's heart in the past i love that in a very appropriate way in a very in a very pg-13 you know (laughs) over the clothes (laughs) kind of way guys let's move on to our last one in the lineup and um no surprise from our interview so far uh we are ending with one of his other favorite elijah craig family member whiskeys and that is the elijah craig single barrel 130 proof yeah let's uh why I feel like is this we're gonna we're gonna end with the showstopper here? Yeah, so this is this is a big whiskey. This is a put hair on your chest whiskey. Oh man, okay. I mean, if you're looking at it, I'm sorry you can't see it out in the uh, the ether right now. Right, it is it's super dark. It's super dark, yeah. Let's tell the good people what we're seeing. And the bottle is consistent with they they clearly have a branding, like just the visual aesthetic of their look and their font choice and everything. It's very classy, very nice. Love the bottles. There's a there's kind of a traditional yet modern feel to it, especially with the the corking and things like that. But yeah, just looking at it, it's it's probably the darkest of the five. Yeah, for easily. sure. Yeah, and um, the notes um, you'll probably have to you'll have to take the floor for the notes part, and then I'll help with the tasting. Sure. So the notes in the nose, I get a lot of butterscotch, butterscotch, and booze really that's what's defining it because it's 130 proof booze. it has a lot of that 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 burning like burning your nose hairs kind of my wife alcohol her, her stage name is tv del rio our guest doesn't know that so i have to tell him but uh tv del rio like that's the first like when she came in here before the show she just smelled a couple of them and her face was priceless <laughs> the cringe on her face so I bet she can, honey. Can you smell this from the other room? Like I bet it's so. It is pretty strong. It but is boozy, boozy strong. Boozy. It's it's gonna burn your nose hairs off because it is at hundred and thirty proof. That's that's a big whiskey. Um, not quite hazmat, but big whiskey. The flavor profile is great, and this is this is one Ooh, of those whiskeys. Yeah, that'll put you know, some hair on your chest. You for get sure. a, you get some like classic flavor profiles in whiskeys. You get brown sugar. You get toffee. You get. Um, cherry and this one you get to me peanut you get a lot of peanut butter peanut uh, butter mm-hmm. so you have that kind of like peanut flavor with a little bit of sweetness on the back end of it um, so you can either define it as peanuts and brown sugar or you can define it as peanut butter and this is this is a really peanut buttery whiskey you just made me realize how bad i am at this i i it's just it's i'm still i'm still on the boozy part this is just like a boozy put your put some hair on your chest like a, a whiskey whiskey like this is the whiskey like a musician's kind of music you know this is the whiskey kind of whiskey this is a nick offerman whiskey uh yeah oh yeah, yeah. oh yeah nick offerman parks and rack yeah. you know if you don't if you don't know who that if you don't know i feel like a lot of people don't know a name sometimes you know uh that's why I like if when we connect the dots so parks and rack oh he was in fucking the last of us episode three i did a whole show on that actually once it's even more interesting because he does have his own whiskey he's partnered with lefroig who is a really really peaty whiskey so if you want a peaty whiskey to go try and you like nick offerman there is a very easily defined crossover right there and we are not sponsored by them but we just like them so we're gonna give them the love and it's a fun word to say lefroig lefroig yeah this is um this is a lot. Mm-hmm. This is a lot. And for as much as high as the proof is, I don't think it drinks that way. It's spicy, right? Like it's it, spicy. It lingers on your lips and on the tip of your tongue and kind of has a little bit of fiery prickles on the side too. But the flavor isn't defined by the heat. Like you still get that peanut. You still get that brown sugar, that, that molasses to it. And it's just enhanced by the heat of it 
Now, for maybe some of the listeners right now that are lay whiskey drinkers and they're just slowly getting into this world, you know, they may just want to go to a restaurant and order something like an old fashioned, you know? So give those, those kind of drinkers your advice. What kind of, if now sometimes I'll, I'll say this before I tee you up with the, with, with the question, a lot of, a lot of restaurants will have a house old fashioned. They'll just pick for you. But when they give you the choice, what do you recommend? So I am a huge fan of whiskey based cocktails that have a really defined flavor profile because I like my whiskey to come through. You know, some people don't like to taste whiskey on a, an old fashioned. They want the bitters. They want the orange. They want the simple syrup. Yeah. And the whiskey just is the vehicle to get them drunk. Right. Sure. For me, that's a good way to put it. I want it to be aggressive. And for me in a cocktail like that, because you have a lot of sweetness, the best thing that you can do is get something that's going to have a ton of punch. I like big rise. MGP, which is a distillery that's out of Indiana that does probably the vast majority of rye you can buy at a liquor store, does a lot of high rye whiskeys um, that are 95% rye that are just in your face aggressive, really spicy. And I think it holds up to that level of a cocktail um, where you have something that's really sweet. And so you're going to get the whiskey, you're going to get the spiciness, and then it's going to have this really nice like ease into the cocktail. So that's what I like. So give us the name one more time so we can burn it in our memory. So I think the best way, Bullet Rye is a 95% rye. rye. It's made by MGP. Another one is Redemption Rye. Redemption is 46%. So I'd be like 46 times 2 is 90. 46 times 2 is... uh, 92. 92. Math Math is hard. 92. So 92 proof because proof is the alcohol percent times 2. So 92 proof, so it's a little bit easier than Bullet Rye. Bullet Rye has a little bit higher alcohol level, depending on what you like. But they both have that really spiciness that you get with a lot of ryes. My go-to, and this may be, I don't know, I let's see how you feel on this one. I like to go to Woodford Reserve. All right, um, so every whiskey has a place. Woodford Reserve is a fantastic whiskey to make a cocktail where you don't want to taste whiskey. Okay. Um, there are variations of Woodford that I keep at my house. Their malt uh, whiskey, I think, okay. is fantastic. It's sweet. Uh, it kind of reminds you of a Whopper. If you know, like the, a Burger King Whopper. No, or a, or like a, a chocolate Whopper, milk like, ball. Yeah, Whopper. Like we're going to the uh-huh. movies and I'm getting exactly whoppers. in the 1950s. You're gonna have a you know a my mom loves malt. Yeah. yeah my mom fucking loves Whoppers. Yeah. I know Whoppers well. Yeah. So uh, I really like it because it. it you know, I kind of wish like, it was the Burger King Whopper now. <laughs> it tastes like flame It tastes like old fucking Whopper. <laughs> but their basic line of whiskeys, um, they're good for people getting into whiskey. And like I, like I said, like for me, if you're going to have a cocktail, I want the cocktail to taste like a whiskey if it's a whiskey cocktail. Yeah. Like I don't want it to be lost in the background. Mm. Um, I am a Manhattan drinker. Like that is my go-to cocktail for all of the winter. Please tell us a good whiskey for a good Manhattan. And it's the same thing. Like they, you get so much other flavor, right? So your vermouth is going to have so much like uh, sweetness and herbaliness, depending on what kind of vermouth you want. That you need something that's going to hold up to it. Otherwise, it's going to just obliterate anything you drink. You are so goddamn knowledgeable. Are you Are you certified already or are you still... So I am not in the industry and so therefore, I just don't feel like certification makes any sense for me. Um, and I say this because I've, like I've, said, I've been an alcohol nerd for a long time. Yeah. Um, I've had buddies that have gone for sommeliers. I've had buddies that have gone for Cicerones. I've helped them study for these tests multiple levels when you're that knowledgeable i think you lose a little bit of the fun if you're not in the industry and so for me like whiskey's whiskey's just fun it's fun to sit around and talk about it it's fun to have a group of people come together and try different whiskeys that you've never tried before and talk about it and have just this great conversation and you're all coming together based off of that you know enjoyment of something when you're doing it for a job kind of lose that and when you're studying for a test when it's becoming something other than just a hobby i think you kind of lose it as well like i I say this as someone 
literally help people study for Cicerones, multiple levels, sommeliers, multiple levels. It's just too much. Like, I'm going to enjoy what I'm enjoying. Like, I'm going to enjoy drinking whiskey. I'm going to enjoy trying new stuff. I'm going to enjoy going out and trying barrels in Kentucky and figuring out which one I want to take home with me. I don't need to be certified for that. But if you want to, there's a lot of fantastic programs, a little bit different than sommeliers, right? So sommelier, you have one defined program. It's the same thing. There's a ton of different stuff that's out there, whether it be a two-day program you want to take online or a whether it be a, a one-year program where you go down to Austin and you train with masters of... They were the certified whiskey... Ma- or, excuse me, the Council of Whiskey Masters. Council of Whiskey Masters. They sound and the so, certified they whiskey sound like, specialist program. Yeah. And they if, sound like Templars, you know, yeah. or like like the secret they're def- the secret organization they're defending the Grail of whiskey. I want to say two things to to that to that well spoken point. I I cannot agree more with you. I think I think if you love something enough, you can become a specialist without formal training mm-hmm. or a formal certification. And I think you are that for the record. I think I, I'm, I'm going to make you an honorary NDP, Novo Day Productions, certified whiskey specialist. I just, <laughs> I, I knight thee. Um, because, yeah, I think, you know, it, d- don't get me wrong. I, I think institution, institutionalized education has a place. But I think anybody that has enough drive and passion and really wants to sink their teeth into something they love they can become an absolute expert in that thing without having to go to school or without having to get the certification or the master's degree or the doctorate degree. You can do that in any of the arts, including the art of whiskey tasting. And I really think that from hearing you speak so eloquently about, uh, you know, all of all of the whiskeys and your knowledge base and everything, I feel like we're kind of there. So my second point is... You call it still a hobby, but it's clearly a passion. I feel like there is a transcendence from hobby to passion when you take it so seriously. I feel like hobbyists don't take it as seriously. Whatever their thing is, they may like, oh yeah, I knit, you know, on occasion, or I do this on occasion. Not like I sink my teeth into this shit. I learn the you learn you know the history, you know you've studied. You remember you said you had you have mastered the. Uh, the uh, the vocabulary for your nose and the notes and the palate like it it is a different level than hobby so i feel like don't sell yourself short own that passion and then tell the good people for the people that for the people that maybe are wanting to get into this wanting to go from hobbyist to passionate you know amateur expert like how do they kind of get into the world so i think that the best thing that you can do is go onto your social medias i mean a lot of especially big cities have groups that you know are highlighted or highlight these kind of things, whether it be a whiskey group, beer group, you know, spirits, wines, etc. And you're gonna find like-minded people. And when you meet those like-minded people, go to the meetups, have the conversations, try new things, and always be willing to go out and and do something that you're gonna put yourself out there for. Um, sometimes it's it's hard to have conversations with people you don't know even when you still have like a passion for something as long as you go out there you meet different people you try different things you're going to really start building that fundamental knowledge that's going to push you beyond just someone who likes whiskey to someone who has a giant collection of whiskey that is taking up a large portion of their house at this moment um whose potential wife whose wife doesn't potentially like that but it is still important, um, and I think that's really what it comes down to. It's just going out there, making acquaintances with the people in the industry, with the people who are like-minded in your community, with liquor store owners, because you know, you know, if you're spending money someplace, make yourself known because they might put a bottle or two back for you, um, and that's really important. You gotta, you gotta have friends in high places. Mm-hmm. You gotta sometimes have low places too. <laughs> All places, guys. Uh, with that being said, I uh, first want to say uh, cheers. Let's have one more sip of our favorite whiskey. And uh, Hiram, thank you so much for joining us today. This has been so educational, so much fun. Jesus. Uh, I appreciate you being here. Thanks for everything, man. Yeah, whiskey is fun. And I just want everyone <laughs> that's listening to this that, you know, 
If you're not having fun while drinking whiskey, you're doing something wrong. So do it right. <laughs> Thank you so much for allowing me to come in and talk about something that I really am passionate about. And there you have it, guys. The art of whiskey tasting from top to bottom. I want to thank you guys for listening. I want to thank my guest again, Mr. Watkins. But before we go, uh, we got a little extra for you, a little icing on the cake, a little cherry on top with what we call the gem of the week. Now, uh, our little gem of the week this week is going to be a little different because we're going to stay on the whiskey topic. Now, first, I want to hear Bill's favorite whiskey of these five. So, favorite whiskey of these five is actually probably going to be the first thing we try. That really? Um, I think it is hard to amp up a lot of flavor in a whiskey that's a lower proof. And I think old whiskeys, they do that really well. And I'm going to say, I'm going to give, and I'm going to give you guys, you probably don't remember, I'm going to give you a quick rundown of all five, and then I'm going to tell you my favorite one. Um, whiskey number one was the 1979 Jim Beam tenure, as uh, Bill just stated. Whiskey number two was the Elijah Craig 18 year. Whiskey number three was the Holiday Soft Red Wheat Bourbon. Whiskey number four was the Weller Full Proof, and whiskey number five was the Elijah Craig Barrel Proof 130. Mine was the the Weller, and this uh, Full Proof Weller whiskey is fantastic. You know, I don't think I ever finished the story, so maybe when you edit this, you can just put it into the other no, side. No, no, this is good, because like, we, we like to um, close circles on it. You're just, you're just closing the circle. We were talking about Weller and how it has a relationship with Paffy Van Winkle, which yeah. is this super nerdy whiskey that no one can really <laughs> try, unless you find it at a bar and pay like $100 an ounce for it. But what used to happen is for the barrels that were rejected for Pappy Van Winkle, because the mash bill is the same, um, they were turned into Weller. And so Weller has this very long storied history of kind of being the rejects of the best whiskey that's out there, which means it's still a really damn good whiskey. So um, this is kind of from the, 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 the realm of that where, you know, a lot of, a lot of hype, a lot of interest in these types of whiskeys and um, I think they did a fantastic job with this one. And outside of the lineup, I wanted to give you guys a few gems that were, you know, not only it could be domestic, so essentially just outside the lineup. So internationally, domestic. I want to hear now, there's always, well, not always, but historically, there is most people gravitate towards their favorite go-to whiskey or drink or what have you do you have a whiskey that you 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 try a lot obviously with your passion but you is there something you just go back to time and time again like an old love so this is sound really funny because i feel like i've been pretty pretty highbrow in a lot of this conversation but to me we're a highbrow um, show there is a whiskey it's called old tub old tub old like t-u-b t-u-b Okay. Uh, old tub bottled in bond. I'm uh, I'm um, I'm strapped in. I'm ready is, for the journey. It is a Jim Beam product. It is bottled in bond whiskey, which there's criteria to be bottled in bond, and they follow everything. And it's a hundred proof, easy to drink, and it costs about twenty bucks. Can't always find it everywhere, but it is a fantastic whiskey. It has really strong Jim Beam's known for like peanutty flavors nowadays. Um, the Claremont Distillery kind of produces that, and it's really peanutty and it's mm. so good and it's $19. So you don't feel like an asshole if you drink half a bottle at night. Uh, I gravitate. I always have a bottle open at my house. Old tub. Old tub. 100 proof. Bottle and bond. Guys, Go check out. Go bottle. Guys, check out old tub. Um, mine is, um, so a little behind the curtain, I, I do have a secret love for scotch whiskeys. And mine has always been a Macallan 12 year, uh, anything in the Macallan family. So for scotches, much like, uh, Bill's love for Elijah Craig, um, I have a love for almost all of the Macallan family of whiskeys, uh, from Scotland. And, um, I think you, you taught me something about myself on the show. When I was asking about Woodford reserve, you're like, well, that's a good, like, you know, introduction kind of thing. I, people have always said that about Macallan too. And I think what I realize is, you know, and going back to our very first point ever, uh, or first, you know, tangent point about, you know, adding water or drinking whiskey with cubes um, or, or on the rocks is, you know, you do you, you know, whiskey should be enjoyed. It should have fun. You should, you should love it the way you want to love it. Right. And I realize I always gravitate towards those kind of like 
easier mellow what a lot of people would call maybe like a beginner whiskey but it's just the whiskeys i personally like sure. so woodford and mccallan and uh guys i urge you to check that out as well and if you like that you can always you can always check us out at novodayproductions.com you can also follow us at underscore novo underscore day and day is de and at novoday media and you know what to do from there guys like subscribe do all the things now if you'd like to sponsor our little love child or uh, be on the show you can reach out to us at novodaymedia at gmail.com so until next time you know what to do we'll see you in the next one so uh, as always good luck and godspeed we love you Art of the Beholder is brought to you by Novo Day Productions, created and hosted by Novo Day and the Novo Day Collective. Facebook.com slash Novo Day Media, at Novo Day Media on Twitter and Instagram. Music by A Company, Facebook.com slash Aco Music 123, Aco on Spotify. Logo designed by Tom Justice, J E S T U S, of thejusticecompany.com, and executively produced by Clayton Anderson. All rights reserved.